You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Hello and welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. It is Thursday, January 27th, 2022. I'm Maggie Lake here with Tommy Thorne of Hedge Fund Telemetry. Uh, and we have so much to talk about today. It has been another volatile day, another rocky day. Stocks turning around uh, now on a three-day losing streak, and we've got a lot of movement across assets. So we are going to jump right in so we can try to squeeze as much as we can in um, and get Tommy's insights. But feel free to drop your questions in, and we'll get um, to as many as we can. And Tommy, um, we were even talking right before we came on that uh, th there is an awful lot moving, an awful lot going on. Where do you want to start? You want to start with U.S. equities? Sure, let's go. Um, it's uh, another day where we had this hope uh, bounce and it, it failed. And it's just we're closing. We closed almost on the lows. And it's just it's precarious. And I, I'm looking at a lot of my indicators that are getting oversold. Uh, market sentiment is getting into that extreme zone down at the lows that we track. But here's the problem. They can stay lower uh, sentiment, that is. It's not a trigger. It's more of a, a condition. Uh, we have had some DeMarc buy setup nines, which is sort of the start of the true full sequential countdown. But they can bounce on those nines. But if they don't bounce, we could start to see those red counts go down. And that continues to trend lower. And then things get a lot uglier. And you know, markets typically when they're when they I'm not gonna I don't wanna scream, you know, yell fire in a house from theater, but when they crash, they crash from oversold conditions. And you know, today we have Apple coming out and I think everybody is expecting and hoping that Apple will save the day and bounce and have decent earnings and we can go with it. But the problem is, starting with JP Morgan, a lot of companies that have squishy earnings absolutely get hammered. And we've seen that with Netflix. We watched um, a very sloppy uh, conference call with Tesla last night uh, where they said that they're not going to have any new models, they postponed putting out their $25,000 car. And Elon even bizarrely said that they're going to have robo-taxis this year. And he said that again and again and again, but that got hammered. So I think that right now, if we break to new levels lower, we could see those DeMarc sequentials, that countdown 13 start. And that won't be necessarily a straight down shot, but it could be choppy for several more weeks. Yeah, and the problem is that, you know, people, we, we saw, we've seen volatility, we've seen declines, and people were, you know, thinking about buying the dip, looking for opportunity, and there are some places where the, the, the losses look like the kind of place you'd want to do that in, but if you bought the dip, you, you got killed again here at the end of the week. You know, w w what can you say to people who are trying to figure out what to do and how to time this? 
hard to time. And I, and that's kind of what I try to specialize in. Um, it's hard to time when you have this steep of a decline. And it, it, if anything, you, you can wait and be patient and let some things stabilize for a, some days, maybe a couple of weeks. And you can catch something a little bit easier um, when it starts to trend and build some support. But right now, there's no support. Uh, we are really in a precarious risk-off position. We're seeing anything that can be that's not nailed down get get sold. And you know, you're seeing it with the cryptos, and those still have risk to the downside, in my opinion. We had again. We had some DeMarc uh, buy setup nines, which Raul talked about, but those are on the daily and on the weekly, we, we still have the sequential countdown in progress. And that to me is a bigger concern. Yeah, so you're you're seeing technicals you don't like, and there's also you know the the one thing uh, in that crypto space that's always been the outside risk is regulatory, right? We know, and and now there's sort of talk of perhaps something coming out of the White House. What are you hearing, and you know, sort of rank that in terms of the kind of risk that might present? Right, it, they just reported, and that's why Bitcoin and all the all of them started to fall apart. Late in the day, that uh, on Barrons, I think it was that uh, there's going to be an executive action coming from the White House uh, with regulations uh, for cryptos and Bitcoin. And you know, I think that a lot of bulls uh, want regulation, and I think that would be maybe the best thing that could happen. Unfortunately, it could be, you know, you could have some difficulty. Uh, in the in the near term, but you know, regulation would be the best thing for Bitcoin. It would legitimize Bitcoin uh, in many respects if it if it's going to be an asset that um, the SEC and the government gets behind. Yeah, rules of the road, uh, I, I think, would be welcomed by a lot of people um, in collaboration with the industry. Um, regulation that's you know uh, sort of forced coming from one side and perhaps. Protecting the you know powers that be in the existing uh, you know institutions is another one, and I think that's where the risk is. Again, these are reports that haven't been confirmed yet, but it shows the sort of fragility um, in a risk-off environment if you start to get those headlines coming through. So we'll we'll continue to follow that story closely um, and bring any updates that that we can get on it. Um, we do. Uh, I want to go back to the equity market uh, again. So the technicals you don't like you don't like the sentiment um, that you're seeing and some of the some of the price action. If we're looking for further volatility, further downside, I mean, how much are we talking about? How painful could this be? I saw your tweet the other day when you said um, it's the bottom, but not the bottom. It's a bottom, but not the bottom. Right. Um, you know, how how bad? What what should we be anticipating, or what are you what are you looking at? You know, what's the downside risk in terms of percentage? Well, if the market's down roughly ten percent, and that's actually masking a lot of the serious damage with the average stock down a whole lot more. And that, that's because the mega cap names have held up. And and yes, the market was under pressure today, but I'm just going to look real quick. Um, I have these baskets of the fangs and everything, and those were up across the board. So Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google, the original fang was up 60, you know, 60 basis points. Apple and Microsoft combined was up 58 basis points. Uh, and 
so those those are masking a lot of the damage and we everybody knows that we've seen it for you know several years but uh if they start to give way and and look amazon did uh facebook is has been beat up as well i i you know you're gonna see i mean google's off its high uh, microsoft had a good report and guidance was okay but that's still off its high you know, if those give way, and we have Apple coming up, and Apple's the biggest of the best, and if the market doesn't like what they see, um, you know, we could be down maybe 10% more. I, mean, I think we could break 4,000 on the S&P, and if things get really, really ugly, and I don't know if that's going to be combined with some geopolitical issue with Russia, Ukraine, uh, some fund or bank or entity blowing up that's possible i i don't know it could we could be in you know in store for 3700 which 3700 is actually the s&p actually spy vwap or right around there the vwap from the march lows so that's the volume weighted average price so we have basically that's sort of an average price of what people have paid off the low and that, that may seem a lot like, a, oh, that's nothing to worry about. But you also have to look at what in the last year has happened. You've had the largest amount of inflows ever in one year and 20 years combined inflows into one year. That's a lot of money that if people start to see red and losses, they're gonna say, I'm out and they'll sell. So I think that if we broke lower, we could get to that VWAP level just for the sake of a lot of, or a lot of supply would hit the market. A lot of yeah. people would liquidate and they'd get nervous. And I don't think we've seen that yet. And, you know, I'll be honest, I really was very hopeful that we could get some decent bounce. I, I bought some long exposure and, you know, jumped out of it yesterday during the Fed and shorted some stuff. But, you know, honestly, this is a tactical market. It's tricky. If you're trading it, uh, you don't need to be a hero. Keep your sizes smaller. Allow some larger stops um, and, and try and stay in the game. This is not an easy market, even for pros. Yeah, especially as we have so many things going on at once. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. Tommy, you mentioned, you know, if someone gets in trouble, you see, you know, some pain. And a lot of times this happens behind the curtain. We can't see it, right, until it blows up or until something happens. Um, we have a question 
from Achilles, I believe. Um, sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. Uh, from the exchange, uh, Tom, can you talk more about the potential implications of SoftBank on the market, or is it already something that's happened? Fill us in about this because um, you've been writing about it, and this is one of these headlines. It's incredibly important, but because there is so much news, so much going on, so many earnings, economic data coming out, um, that I'm not sure everyone's paying as much attention or is as aware as they should be. So, sort of walk us through what you're watching with SoftBank. Well, one thing that happened today that not a lot of people talked about was the Japanese market. The Nikkei was down hard and it broke a pretty substantial level and it made a, it's down 7% year over year. That's a lot for a big market like Japan. Uh, SoftBank is the third largest weight in the Nikkei and they're down off their high about 55%. And that's in to 2021, when almost every market in the world outperformed dramatically. And if you look at their holdings, and they have constant, huge concentrated weightings of Uber, uh, WeWork, uh, Alibaba, uh, Grubhub, uh, Compass, the real estate company, all of these are trading near their lows if not if they're not on their lows and here's the problem and i'm not gonna i can't go too far into this because we'll stay here for two hours i could but you know i've got i've got to go to new york and have a dinner tonight <laughs> but basically they haven't sold enough stock that is softbank and they're holding on to all these positions that are getting underwater and they're levered a lot. They have a huge amount of debt. They have, in 2019, they offered their employees up to $20 billion of leverage to put into their funds. You know, it gets to a point where a lot of people will get margin calls uh, with all these different um, stocks that they're in. And, you know, they have some pretty sticky investors with a lot of sovereign wealth funds and a lot of them in the mid middle east and you know they don't normally get nervous because they've got basically unlimited amounts of money but they may be starting to sweat a little bit with what's happening and today just insane their coo came out and said i'm leaving unless my compensation is one billion dollars now it takes, pardon my, pardon my French, it takes balls to ask for a billion dollars in comp when your firm is imploding. And this guy is was a telecom expert. He was the guy that came in to you know, merge uh, Sprint, T-Mobile, all of them. And he's, he's, a, he's a pretty significant guy. And he oversaw 48 uh, uh, companies in their portfolio. And they have a internal rate of return that they reported last September of 85% that this guy says that that was their their uh, return. Now, I think that's complete BS because if you look at all the recent stuff that they've had, I mean, they have a huge position in Didi and that, that's about to get delisted and China has declared war on a lot of these tech companies, I mean, right out of the gate, 
the next day after they were public, China came out and basically banned their Didi's app. And they want China's government has basically, as as I've said several times, declared war on these tech companies. Mm-hmm. And Masa Sun, um, the founder of SoftBank, he's he's he owes he has twenty six percent of SoftBank. And he's the type of guy that takes big risks on a lot of unicorns and startups. And I would imagine he's very levered. Also, one of the largest hold, they also own or have 40% in SoftBank of their telecom business that they spun off and it's, it trades in Japan. And that's down trading at its lows as well. So my view is that this is a real risk and there could be a lot of collateral damage of investors uh, companies when these things start to unwind it hasn't blown up yet but this is on my radar as a real risk and it worries me when you talk about softbank because they are so big and they and their their relationships sort of you know snake throughout the financial system i mean is, is it the kind of company that would be would present counterparty risk yeah absolutely mizuno is one of their biggest banks um i'm sure um nomura all of the japanese banks have a little piece of of this and they all have investors that are long softbank yeah there's there's huge risk and that's the big risk uh in the banking system is if this thing starts to really unwind. I mean, I, I mean, this is this may be you know the boy who cried wolf type of situation, but the way I see it, this is a, a real risk to keep on the radar. I mean, just put it on the you know the yeah. asset liability side. I think this is the liability side and on risk. Yeah, and and y- 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 again, worrying when we have a lot of volatility in many places and things happening. And then if you have that on top of it, um, that, that that's the cause for concern. And this is always when this happens, when we start to see, speaking of outsized moves and, you know, things that can sort of suddenly connect and, and and they're not normally, and the volatility we're seeing, not gas today. In fact, Bo uh, from the RV site asked about that. I mean, people couldn't believe their screens. What was it, up 70% at some point today? Um, I mean, hopefully no one was on the other side of that. Well, what's going on there? Well, there were a lot of people on the other side of that. That's why it went up as much as it did. And <laughs> I I have a lot of contacts and, and people that I chat with, and I was talking with um, a very smart natural gas trader based in Texas, and he said that, you know, their weather models that everybody watches in Europe went from warm to cold and then it got colder and that Europe sort of starts on the, it gets colder in Europe and then those models turn more cold in, in the US. I don't really understand it, but basically he said that there were there was an expiration uh, and there was someone selling five strike calls and in size obviously, and that's what started it, exacerbated it and you know, there's, I guess we've learned that um, you don't want to sell 
calls uh, naked in natural gas, just like that guy, the option seller guy several years ago blew himself up and his clients. Yeah, and, and well, hopefully that that's uh, that's not going to be a repeat, not particularly with that guy, but with somebody who's in a similar situation. Uh, we'll have to see. Uh, when we when we are, you know, I, I want to go back to the the equity U.S. equity market for a moment, and we saw, you know, a, a little bit before we we enter this really volatile period. In the beginning, we were seeing declines, but it looked like a rotation, right? Rotation out of tech, mega tech into value. Um, and a lot of conversations about flow. Uh, Alf sat down uh, and had a conversation um, with Robin Wigglesworth, and they were talking about the role of indexing in the market. Um, let's have a listen to that clip, and then we'll talk about it on the other side. Now, this is the thing, right? I th I'm always think struck by the arguments that people that say these things seem to have such low view of markets. And I think markets work pretty dang well. Like, yeah. value has had a shocker for a decade. I mean, I saw a study that showed, you know, with a lot of assumptions, it was the worst run for value stocks since basically stock markets were invented in Amsterdam in the 1600s. Like a two century drawdown. That's incredible, right? But like value has come back. But if index funds were so dominant, that wouldn't have happened. People say, well, Apple is the biggest company because, you know, index funds keep buying it up. But Apple is a absolute cash machine. Right, it just sells an insane amount. It's actually not that highly valued. Like, did Tesla ju jump by an amazing amount in 2020 uh, because it was included in indexes and index funds had to buy it? Lots of people think so. But I think, again, it's like how the market can wrap itself up in these narratives where I think a lot of Tesla bros essentially always want some excuse to buy Tesla. And when Tesla finally turned a profit, and became eligible for S&P 500 inclusion, they decided, well, obviously lots of dumb money is going to flow in, so we're going to push the stock up, and it went up by an insane amount in 2020. Around when the index funds actually added Tesla, was there a meaningful price updrift? No. You can say that we're kind of taking advantage of, like the index funds were the suckers at the table because they had to buy at this inflated price. That is kind of true. But index funds also bought Lehman. They also bought WorldCom. They also bought Enron. They bought all sorts of crappy companies that went to zero. But they also bought all the Amazons, all the Apples. In practice, like I said, the data is pretty irrefutable. Across every asset class, it's certainly large cap equities. Indexing works in the long run. And it's, it's really hard to fight that core data there. And that interview is available on Essential Plus and Pro. Uh, Tommy, what do, you, what do you make of that? Well, he's right, I, I, and I'm a big fan of his. Uh, his books are fantastic, and his writing is great. Uh, look, I'm I'm a little concerned about passive investing uh, at this point, and he's right that you know you've had all these companies in the S and P, and they've blown up Lehman, Enron, WorldCom, you name it. Yeah, the problem I have right now is I'm looking at Tesla. They put Tesla in, and it was almost you know a, a trillion dollar or seven hundred billion dollar company to go in, and it captured a wide amount of weight in the index. So my biggest concern about that is that you have a lot of stocks. The majority of stocks are such a small weighting, and then you have these five to seven mega cap stocks that do all the work. Yeah. 
you know, we we've uh, and, and and by the way, you've you've been uh, very brave to take the abuse because you do talk about the risks you see around Tesla, and a lot of people just don't want to deal with the blowback from the you know the hardcore fans. So I always applaud you for that. But um, you know, it's not what, personal. It's not personal. It's all yeah. technical. Yeah, exactly. What do you um, in terms of, uh, of We've got the passive investing that's been a worry. For some people, the kind of retail participation, increased retail participation now as we head in was great when it was all going up and, and there was not, no alternative. But, you know, now that we're seeing all this volatility, does does that concern you? Um, and what about some of the platforms? Um, you know, what about Robinhood? I know you've been watching that and I think they're out with earnings, right? Apparently, I see them down almost 15%. And I see a headline that they missed estimates, which I will say, I, I forget when I came on, I think it was with you or Ash, and I laid out my thesis for Robinhood as a short. And I had boatloads of puts and I did exceptionally well with those. I will say I covered too early because it's trading now under $10. And I knew the risks with Robinhood. And one of the problems that they have is concentration in a lot of very speculative areas. And I know that uh, just reading some of the research that I had so from sell-side analysts, they had a huge amount of crypto trading uh, two quarters ago in Dogecoin or you know, in some of the Bitcoin when it was all going up. And that's all dried up. That, that trading has dried up. And I think there's probably a lot of people that are in, that are Robinhood investors that are in speculative stuff, concentrated in not necessarily a great diversified portfolio uh, that are now underwater. And they probably just stopped looking at their app. And that's why trading is a lot slower. Yeah, which was the concern. And, and as we started out at the beginning, you know, crypto getting hit again. And so that's only going to sort of, you know, add to that situation for them. Um, I do want to talk uh, and see uh, get some actionable advice from you on, on terms of some of the trading ideas and the trading strategies you're taking right now. I mean, it sounds like you're worried um, and you're expecting some pain ahead. So how are you positioning around that? I, I've been shorting uh, indices. I have some put spreads that are working, uh, that have worked. I try to, I, one of the things when I buy a put spread on an index ETF, I will take profits on the way down, um, and I may not get to under the lower strike, which would give me the max payout, partly because there's still time on the option. So my thought is I'm shorting opportunistic type places, um, and I'm actually net long right now, uh, partly because I, I have some cannabis uh, cannabis positions that I bought 55% off the highs, but they continue to go a little lower. And I think we're going to see cannabis in the next couple months. And I think in February, see some good news, regulatory good news. So that is a positive. Um, and I'm able to withstand that pain, partly because I've had an absolutely great start to the year, the way I was positioned. 
Yeah, it helps if you're going to take some risk. Brian Caputo, who's behind the scenes on the team here, is crying with joy to hear you say that because he's he's interested in the cannabis space. Um, but do you what do you think? Do you think there's finally going to be changes in banking that we've been waiting for on that? Yeah, it it, it it's been delayed, uh, but there's you know you have both sides of Congress, which is a rarity that. Uh, one, they want to get something done. Uh, they, one of the hangups is uh, to let the cannabis or cannabis uh, people in jail out and expunge their sentences. That is the hangup right now. But I think there's been, I think Massachusetts came out recently and said that the tax revenue from cannabis last year was higher than alcohol, and I, I can't confirm that, but I think that's what I saw. So that's gotta get some states uh, thinking, you know, we need to do this. I, it's going to happen because New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, these three states that we're near uh, are going, they passed legislation and it's gonna take some time for the regulatory uh, approvals for these companies to set up their their retail outlets in these states, but it's coming. And these companies, I think, will shoot higher with any sort of good regulatory news. And Todd Harrison is my guy uh, who runs a cannabis hedge fund, and I talk to him all day. And uh, he is the man, and follow him on Twitter, Todd Harrison. Awesome, awesome tip, thanks for that. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. Uh, you know, we we had econ data out today. We had so many other sort of assets moving. We need to talk about them. We had GDP out, uh, you know, and the numbers look good. But we always have to wonder whether that's in the rear view mirror. And we've had some other data coming out that I know people have been more concerned about. I mean, you know, there is some concern that growth may be peaking just as we're entering this period of the Fed raising rates to fight inflation. Uh, are you concerned about that? Consumer staples, I think, were one of the areas that people are looking for protection, you know, looking to sort of go to today to find some protection in this volatility. But, you know, what, what do we make of growth and and uh, the U.S. economic growth and consumer? Well, I, look, just a, a brief statement on the GDP. Came in at 6.9 percent. That's a real strong number of my notes here, I said uh, the final demand was 1.8% annualized and 4.5% was an inventory build. Now, inventory build is good, especially when there's supply chain shortages. However, it can be bad if that inventory sits. So I think it's a, it's a good number. It's probably not going to be, you're not going to see the inventory build like you did, which will contribute to the GDP going forward. I do think you're going to see a hot CPI number again mm. next month. And that's partly because, or mostly because energy prices have gone up. And last CPI was uh, surveyed when, after Biden's 
of SPR oil release, and that didn't last long. And now you have crude going higher. And I, I think crude could go even a little higher before it, it peaks out. Yeah. You were looking at commodities, weren't you, recently? Yeah. I Look, it's a mixed bag with a lot of commodities right now. There, there's, I'm, I don't know why I did it, but I bought gold and silver recently. And every single time, I, and I didn't buy too much, but I bought some partly because I, I was looking at the dollar um, starting to move lower. And we got this dollar risk off move, which the dollar went higher because of all the risk off in the world. And so I'm still long gold and silver and some of the miners. I just, I wanna, I gotta like put a do not trade gold on there because it's just so frustrating. Uh, but I like, I'm short coffee right now. Had a humongo run. Uh, I've been long coffee in the past and I see an exhaustion happening. Sentiment got very high. Uh, some of the soybeans I've been, you know, positive on. Palladium has been really hot. I like copper, and it's just in this tight little range. And if that starts to move, uh, I think you could get a pretty explosive move on the upside. Fantastic. We now we've absolutely covered most of the equities. We didn't talk about bonds, but we'll get to that next time. And for ag commodities, by the way. Um, on the platform, I did a great interview with Sean Hackett, who really dives deep into weather and agricultural commodities. Fascinating stuff, if anybody wants to check it out, if you're interested in that area. Tommy, thank you so much. Uh, fantastic and great conversation around SoftBank, especially. Um, keep keep us up to date on what you're watching on that, and uh, look forward to co you coming on again. Always great to I'm see looking, you. I'm looking at Apple. Oh, is it out? Tell us. I'm looking for it. Do we have this? Yeah, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't come out right after, right? I was wondering. It does. I don't. I, I haven't seen it cross yet. Uh, I see it up one point four percent. I can't tell if it's come out. Oh, no. I don't know. It's up. It's up a little. Up's Maybe good for Apple. Okay. <laughs> uh, but if they sell this thing, um, As we think so right? Like sometimes we're gonna get the snaps on the on the numbers, but the conference calls matter this time because sometimes yeah, the numbers yeah. have been good and people, investors find something in that conference call on the forward guidance that they don't like. So, yeah, you know, wait watch, for the conference call. Yeah, watch for the whole for the whole news to uh, to break on that, everyone. Um, Tommy, great stuff. Always great to see you. Thank you so much. I will be back uh, on the Daily Briefing tomorrow with Jim Bianco. Uh, nice way to wrap up the week. Uh, and as always, the conversation continues on the exchange. So take care and good luck out there. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.